Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Ever heard the song Loosen Up My Buttons, among others? Well, it was a big thing. I don't know if they still are as big as they used to be. I don't think so. But the Pussycat Dolls is a big band when I was in high school. And Caillou Jones, one of the former Pussycat Doll members from the band, if you don't know who they are, uh, actually shared her testimony this past weekend at the San Francisco Walk for Life. She regrets having had three abortions, three children that she never looked at face-to-face. I'll share with you her story later on. I think it's a good insight into not just the world of media, the world of Hollywood, but into the world of the pressure that is put on women and the expectation from the bottom up. And when I say from the bottom up, I'm talking about from the media we consume to the influence it has on us and the silent pain there is behind the scenes. So if you've had an abortion, perhaps you'll resonate with Kaya Jones from the Pussycat Dolls band, her story, and what can be gleaned from healing after abortion, but also the pressure there is today on young girls. That'll be a little later on here on the show. I, growing up, I spent a lot of time with my great-grandmother. Up until her death when I was about 13, I spent so much time with her. We uh, loved time with her. She was inspiring for me. I saw her go to daily mass. I saw her pray her daily rosary. Grant, she prayed her daily rosary while watching her novellas on mute and her Divine Mercy Chaplet, but hey, she still got it in. Um, again, not a perfect person, someone who was trying, someone who was praying for her children, I, not to air dirty laundry, but just facts, and you can pray for my family, I pray for yours. Uh, she saw her, two of her own children live gay lifestyles for their lives. Um, so much behind that, my great aunt and uncle, uh, there's a beauty, though, to her home and how I remember as a kid looking forward to going to grandma's house because whenever we went to my great-grandmother's house, her house was a revolving door. There were always different people I would see. I'd always look forward to who was I going to see, whether it was a cousin, her cleaning lady that was a friend, nephew, aunt. I mean, her cleaning lady would sit there and have a meal with us, sit and visit. We knew her for years. She was a friend. She wasn't just someone who came in and provided a service and left. Uh, there were friends who I always thought were family, who referred to as uncle this or aunt that or cousin so-and-so. She had this 
just demeanor of hospitality that was so natural. It was a revolving door. And she always had, my mom and I were talking about this recently, because it can be expensive to host and have people over. And she said, well, your grandma always kept it simple. And I remember as a kid, she always had a pot of beans on the stove. Uh, She always had toast. If you came for breakfast with some coffee, she often had this zucchini dish with bacon in it that to this day, no one can make it like she does. And I still need to try to recreate. Uh, She always had fixings for tostadas, which would be like a hard flat shell tortilla. And then you put the smashed beans and different toppings on it. She had banana chips. I always remember banana chips. And she had paper plates for easy cleanup. And she would always ask you, can I get you a hamburger? In other words, can I take you out and get you a hamburger? In and out, wherever it was. She loved in and out, wherever it might be. But her hospitality was always just there. And I've been thinking about this a lot is I'm in a different season in life with kids and home and home. Probably 99% of my time when you look at it in the grand scheme of the week. And we really lost this comfort. I've even lost this comfort of hospitality, of being inconvenienced or surprised by a visitor or what it takes even to entertain. And I'm hearing this resounding discomfort, and it's normal given the season of life for many people, of this need for community, the need for community with our families, but also in cultivating current friendships and even trying on new ones. And Part of that's done with hospitality. And so joining me today to dive into this is Danielle Heckenkamp. She's a wife and mother of six children. I love her writing. She's a freelance Catholic writer in her, quote, spare time. And she, I think, has a keen insight into this need for hospitality, this need for cultivating uh, this culture surrounding community and inviting people into our home. So, Danielle, welcome back to Trending I'd love to get your thoughts on how do you host and invite people into your home so that you can cultivate community, uh, make new or try out new friendships, or even just br- bring your friendships you have into a realm where they feel like they have a community and not just someone who you maybe put on the calendar once every couple months a dinner na- date with. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, I think this is such a great topic to have and to discuss over because as women, we... I think we do want to entertain. We want to, we're very social beings and we want to give. It's it's in our nature to serve. And hospitality has gone by the wayside, uh, partly due to modern conveniences, due to people living far apart. Um, a, a lot of women that are working full-time don't have time for that. And it also has not been made a priority. And I think we forget, first of all, that hospitality begins in our own home with our own family. And that does mean, obviously, not every night is going to be this great dinner because there are sports. And as kids grow older, some are, some are doing one thing and some are doing another thing. Um, but it's always giving more of yourself. So when you feel like you've given enough, give a little more. And that's by making dinner for your family, maybe making banana bread for your kids so they could take to school. My kids think it's the most amazing thing when I pack them desserts that I make because Mm -hmm. a lot of kids at school don't have parents that make that. And so it's by, first of all, providing your family and then opening it up to others. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very, very simple but it's just that connection that people want. So it could be coffee and 
cookies. And a dear friend of mine, she always makes her famous chocolate chip cookies. She knows the Mm. recipe by heart. She doesn't have to think about too much about it. <laughs> she puts coffee on and she makes her cookies and people come over. And um, it's just a wonderful time to connect with people. And it's showing that act of love and service. Mm. And what I'm starting to learn to do is a hodgepodge of charcuterie board. Like it really can be anything you want. And maybe I have, you know, a couple pieces of fruit that I can cut up and throw out. I have some nuts, you know, simple things that are around my house, some cheese, maybe there's some bread or crackers, just a few things to throw out that look kind of nice. And really, again, it's like a compilation of what might be the little bit of scraps that I might have that can make it easy to to put out and i love just i take out my tea my teapot i love teacups i i think that's a lost art of maybe even european wise where you know they used to just take out the pot and give tea i can't tell you how many times danielle both men and women say i didn't know i liked tea so much or this is so nice and even the guys they love drinking out of the teacups in fact some of my husband's friends when they come over they go wait you didn't give me the teacup what about that saucer that plate thing Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, and, and I think men enjoy it too, because women can help raise men up in a good way. We can help them understand some of the beauty and the finer things in life. And that is part of that lost art that we sometimes have gotten too used to the simplicity and the everyday and that we forget to see the beauty in things. My, I think it's really important too to do this to be hospitable to people because it teaches our children. I I did have a proud mom moment. My daughter is a freshman and she wanted to have a Christmas party. So she had three, three, four friends come over and I had to leave to pick up some of my other kids. I come back and she had full, a full array of food and decor. And I, I just thought, well, at least I taught you how to throw a party and to make people (laughs) feel welcome. And hopefully I taught her more than that. But I think that we forget how much our example do matter. And yes, she's 14, 15, but she's seen me over these years do this for other people. And now she enjoys doing it. So I think there's a lot of beauty in that as moms. We have this gift that we've been giving these little ones to teach. I think part of this hospitality culture, too, is it allows you room to try out friendships, too. You know, don't be afraid. Okay, after breakfast, before lunch, letting people know, hey, would you like to come over for an hour in the morning before I put my kid down to nap? It's really simple. You kind of give an end time, and it's okay to say, hey, thanks for coming over, and find polite ways to usher people out of the door if you have to. Um, But I think that's a legitimacy to it. It's having a healthy boundary. Uh, But one of the challenges, I think, in that is that people are so overwhelmed by, is my house clean enough? Um, What do I give them? And I think we've touched on like the simplicity of the food. Maybe you love making chocolate chip cookies. Maybe you throw a teapot out and some fresh fruit. Uh, But what about the cleanliness side of the house and just how we feel maybe about the things we don't have in our home and how we like our homes to look? Right. I think there's I think secular, secularism has completely distorted of what a house would look like, especially a house with children. And I think there's a difference between um, a, a mess of toys and a dirty house. And I think many of us on a regular basis are working very hard to keep our houses clean and neat. And when you invite other mom friends over, 
yeah, sometimes there's going to be toys on the floor, but that's okay. That's the, that's a little different than having your laundry all over the living room. And I think with hospitality, where it starts with your family, it starts also with your home and keeping that a beautiful place for your family to want to come home to, to be comfortable in. No one is going to feel comfortable. Very rarely do people feel comfortable in a mess. So I think if that's part of the daily daily routine. And obviously that changes with seasons. My youngest is three right now. It was much different when I had an infant and I was nursing and I was always sitting on the couch nursing and I couldn't get to things. So we have to, as women, give ourselves grace and be patient and also recognize what you see online is not the reality of most people's lives. And we have to embrace what we have. And I do think that's important, embracing what you have. Like, I even was talking to someone the other day. I'm very blessed. God knew what I needed. And my husband is very helpful with cleaning. I know not all dudes are this way. And I am so grateful because I think God knew, like, my my brain starts twitching when things aren't in order. And so we all have different standards and different capabilities. Like you said, there's a season when you're nursing, it's harder to keep up with cleaning up and you just have to look around and embrace where you're at in that season and how many little helpers you do or don't have that clean up. And there's so much to it, uh, but it's got to be done. Like that door has to be open where we're willing to say, okay, things aren't perfect. I know for me, one of the big things that I always try to make sure I do is I try to make sure that my toilet's clean like wipe down the bathroom, make it look both presentable and actually have it be clean for people who come in. Uh, And again, that's like a simple wipe down. It can take as long as five minutes. It could take longer if you wanted to. And I think that things like that, like whatever that thing is that makes you feel like, okay, I'm preparing a space that is welcoming for people and clean, like know what that is and know how long how long it takes you to do it so that you can feel comfortable just opening your home to people. And I actually find, Danielle, when I have more people coming over, it's easier for me to keep my house clean and that I'm spot cleaning as people come, maybe throughout the week, so that I'm not doing it all in one big batch, but I'm keeping these areas tidy as they need to be. You know, maybe one day it is, okay, people are coming over, the floor really needs to get mopped, that it's helping me with that level of accountability as well, but also not perfection. Right, exactly. And and I think that was where women were a little better at it years ago was because there was always a chance a neighbor was going to stop by. So they it wasn't going to we didn't they didn't deal with the Instagram worthy picture type of mentality, but they wanted a clean house and they were always always trying to keep it updated and cleanly and just knowing, "Oh, I might have a person to stop by and so I need to have this presentable." Mhm. Yeah. And that brings me to the whole idea of a calling culture. I know you've written about this. And if you're just joining me today, is it Danielle Heckenkamp here on Trending with Timoran Relevant Radio? She's a mother of six and she's big on culture of hospitality, the home, and just speaking to like this need for us to better understand ourselves as women in the home. There's been this huge trend of uh, return to loving and celebrating things such as cooking and enjoying making sourdough. I know that was a big trend during COVID. We'll actually talk a little bit more about that later. I kill my sourdough starter over and over again. I'll share more with you about that in a bit. But this revolving door culture, it's referred to historically as a calling culture where at any point you might be called upon. I shared earlier that I loved going to my great grandmother's house growing up. 
everyone would come in and out. And I always, looking back on it, Danielle, it was so neat to think, man, they loved her so much that they would just stop by to check in on her, stop by to say hello. They were in the area. They were thinking of her. They didn't necessarily call on the phone ahead of time, but they came to the door. And it would be friends, family members, uh, people who... You called them family because they came around so often you thought they were family. And I thought that there was a beauty to this, especially because in the end she spent, I never knew my great-grandfather, but my whole life she was widowed. She lived alone. And there was a significant element to that love of keeping her home filled with interaction. Like, I don't, I don't know that my great-grandmother struggled and suffered of loneliness because of that. And maybe she did from living alone still, but I never witnessed that. And yet I think today's culture, we witness a lot of loneliness and isolation today for people who are both in that season of life where maybe you've outlived your spouse or in the season of life where you're single and you want to be married or you're a home with your kids and you feel like you don't see anyone all week. Like that calling culture helps even if it's just a couple touchstones throughout the week. Right, exactly. And I, I think it's ironic that in a culture where we get these images of perfection in front of us all the time through the internet, we have almost begun to lower our standards because we see what we think is perfection instead of we instead of seeing what is our reality. And we don't want the devil to kill our joy. He's not allowed to. So we need to take inspiration from pictures but not make that our ultimate goal. Because ultimately that's not our goal in life is to have this perfect house and perfect children and perfect everything because that's never going to happen. There will always be suffering. And our goal is sainthood ultimately. So if that means we have to not lower our standards because we always want to raise our standards, especially as Christians, um, but lowering them to a point of balance and moderation. And that's all, that's what Catholicism is. It's moderation. So yes, you can have a big dinner party, but you also are going to have a day where you're out on a picnic and it shouldn't always feel like it has to be a five star event. And that is where I think if people would find uh, inspiration in more of the simple joys of life, like a cup of coffee in a nice, tea cup and saucer instead of in the Starbucks cup. That I think people would begin to see the beauty in life and see what their true calling is and then see that their soul is really yearning for a connection with God through his beauty, through his creation. That's what hospitality is, is seeking the beauty in creation. And not to put like a more blunt tone on it, but it is funny because my producer Jim's like, well, what about the beer? Do you put it in the teapot? It reminds me of my great grandmother. She always had beer for the men in the fridge. And guess what? She had cold mugs in the freezer ready to give that beer in a nice cold mug. And she had the great, the cheap beer. It was chilled. The cup was chilled. And especially in an area that's extremely hot in Southern California and San Bernardino, a lot of her family members would actually walk over to visit her as well and sometimes walk a couple miles as they're getting their daily walk-in. And, you know, she was good for a good beer, some beans, uh, maybe a piece of toast and coffee in the morning. It's really keeping that simplicity of, you know, this is what I have to offer and letting people know my home is open to you. I would love to see you. And there's that sense of gratitude for being seen as well and acknowledged. Right. And tailoring to your guests, what I 
what I prepare for my book club ladies is not what I prepare for a couple's dinner or when my husband has some friends over. It's it's knowing who's there, but you're still making those people, even if you're having a pizza out for a bunch of your husband's friends, you still want them to feel invited and welcome. And so you, yes, you tailor it, you tailor it to your guests also. <laughs> That's Danielle Heckenkamp here on Trending with Timory. We'll be right back with Danielle. And if you have a question for her on hospitality, just making your space welcoming, the number is 888-914-9149. That's our toll-free line that's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. Coming up, how to avoid implosion and comparison while enjoying the home. Enjoying, maybe it's making sourdough bread. Maybe it's trying to be more welcoming with inviting people over. Maybe it's trying not to be overwhelmed by the mess in your house. We will dive into that in just a moment here on Trending so that you can enjoy your home and your family and your hospitality. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Trending. If you have a question for my guest today, Danielle Heckenkamp, the number is 888-914-9149. We'd love to hear from you. Danielle Heckenkamp, you can find her on Instagram at Homegrown Living. We've tagged her on Instagram. And we're diving into this culture of hospitality and People, a lot of people were in the thick of life where we live in a culture where social media prevent, presents what historically used to be a beautiful magazine that you look at and see these beautiful things and inspired you. And now it's not just a magazine, but it's your peer sharing the beauty from their home, or maybe it's some influencer or company brand that you love. But what's happening is this challenge of implosion and comparison when it comes to keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with the latest fad or really maybe wanting to make sourdough or wanting to make a dessert maybe every day, maybe once a week. I don't know what it is for you. Um, Just this culture of like, I want to do all those things that are in the home and look so great. I remember when I was in college, one of my cousins who was ahead of me in life and had gotten married super young and had kids. And as the kids kept piling on, I think she was maybe two or three kids in, she was making these beautiful like desserts every day, home-baked goods. And it was a baguette one day, just posting it on social media. I just kept thinking, I'm not in that season life, but how do you have time? And that looks wonderful. And it's all homemade. And then being in that season in life now, I just wonder, how did she have time? Uh, I, I don't know. Everyone's different with maybe it's an activity with your kids. That's something I try to incorporate. But what I see is this this spirit of impl- comparison that is sometimes being a real killjoy of enjoying the the fine things in the home that used to be maybe an inspiration from a magazine, but is now comparison online or implosion because you can't even think about baking a sourdough or making a meal for that day because you're imploding over how dirty your house is. So join me to dive into this is Danielle Heckenkamp. Danielle, talk to me about avoiding implosion and the comparison culture, but still enjoying maybe those things you really do want to incorporate into your home, whether you're single or have a family and making it an element of joy, but also meeting those practical needs you need throughout the day. 
Right. I think this is such a great topic. Um, and women are notorious for comparison. And the internet does not help with that at all. And we we are all going to suffer from comparison. That is probably an effective original sin that we're all dealing with as women. And because of that, we have to balance ourselves and we have to find out what we're good at and be happy in that and in the talents that God gave us. And then to also be happy for people who have other talents and are good at other things. And I completely understand when people say, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? And it, it isn't that there's some magical additional time added to my day or to this other person's day, but it's that that activity brings them joy to find the time to Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. And it is giving them a sense of peace and repose. So even though one person does not have time or doesn't find any pleasure in making desserts, doesn't mean that the response should be oh, I could never do that. I don't know how you're doing that. And I think we forget that we are so all incredibly different. We all have different talents. Even when we're similar to someone, we're still very different. We're, We're like the beautiful snowflakes that God created. And with that, we all have different talents. And then on top of it, we all have different temperaments with different talents. So how do we handle the stress or we don't have stress from one thing. And so I think we have to remember that and we have to remind ourselves, okay, this is my joy with my situation, whether I am single, I'm in college, I have a job, I'm married, whatever it is, this is where God put me in this moment. And I'm here to do as well. And I'm going to take what I have and do the best I can with it. Now, if you have a desire to learn how to make a baguette, do it, try it. That's, that's part of life. That's the beauty of life. That's a gift that God gave you that you have the ability to learn that or, or needlepoint or sourdough. And so many people told me about their sourdough experiences that didn't work out. And, and that's fine. Like they said, I'm going back to yeast bread. And I said, go for it, go to yeast bread. And, and that is the beauty of it. But when you try things that you maybe aren't sure if you're going to enjoy, you might actually start enjoying them. I, growing up, loved to bake. I didn't, cooking was okay. I did it to help out my mom and my family. But I have learned to love cooking more than baking and as an adult. And part of it is the hospitality that comes with it and trying new things. But I have also learned, okay, my dishes are not going to be good as someone else's dishes. And that's okay. But this is where we have to find balance, especially as women, because we compare ourselves to each other much more than men do. And we need to step away from the social media if that is harming you, if that is making you anxious or feel like you're not worthy or you you don't do enough or you don't have talents. That's not healthy. And that is feeling the joy that God wants you to have in this life and to find your talents. So, that is a way to find the balance and to find what you're good at and to continue searching through life. Because as we get older, we will find new talents for different seasons in our life that God has given us. It's funny you mentioned sourdough because I feel like that's a thing everyone keeps coming back to. They love it. They hate it. They're good at it. They're terrible. I have an extra kink in the machine here as I'm 
gluten-free, dairy-free. I have all these food allergies. So trying to make a gluten-free sourdough, I actually received a gluten-free sourdough from a friend and I think I've killed it four or five times. I've revived it a couple times and she's re-gifted it to me. And it's so funny because she lovingly laughs at me every time I go to her saying, can I please try again? Uh, but I'm going to see, I can't keep trying. Like I don't have the time. It's too much to try and figure out these recipes. I think gluten-free, dairy-free sourdough is even harder than sourdough because you have to experiment with all of these different flours. Uh, maybe it's just hard for everyone, but I've learned like that's not my thing right now and that's okay. I would love to have fresh tasting hot bread and to give that to my family. And they're so great because they'll try anything, all of my creations. But like, again, it came back to what you said earlier that I thought was key, Danielle. What brings you joy to find the time to do? Like we will find the time when it's something that helps to give us energy and joy and to bring that into our home. And then there are also those things that, we just have a responsibility to do. And I think this is where the faith component is so key that we have that sense of love and responsibility that maybe you don't feel like you're a great cook or maybe you feel like you're not a good housekeeper, but that's okay. The Lord has given you this home. It's given, the Lord has given you this place where you're living. It was just talking about how, you know, not everyone owns a home. Some people are frustrated. They want to own a home. They're renting. Whatever that season is, the space you live in is your home. You make that your home and you have the responsibility to cultivate it with food, with cleanliness, but within a means that is reasonable given your state in life. And I think that's how we avoid implosion and we let go of comparison by actually acknowledging this is a gift and these are my gifts to give, but also these are my responsibilities. Even if I don't like it, I don't enjoy it. And maybe that's cleaning. I don't know what it is, but having that like Real like blunt, I think perspective is so key while also enjoying things as well. Right, I agree. I think I think we also forget the the there are so many graces in the sim- simple tasks of life, and and that we need to find joy in those simple tasks, and that is hospitality. They're very simple tasks, but done to an um, an elaborate degree per se, mm-hmm. and whether it's doing the laundry or cleaning or whatever it is, but it's making your house into a home that you love. And if you love your space, other people will love your space and they will mm-hmm. want to be near you and to talk to you and to learn more from you. It's a matter of confidence and we have to have confidence, humble confidence, even in the midst of our perfect imperfections, right? Like, okay, I'm right. confident I can't do this myself or I did as much as I could. And there's a piece about that. There are a lot of questions coming. I'd like, love to dive into these with you, Danielle. Danielle, you can find on Instagram, homegrown.living. We'll, we've tagged her as well on Instagram. Cindy's asked, my in-laws come to visit about once a month and they treat our home like it's an all-inclusive resort. They invite themselves. They don't bring any food or drinks, but they expect us to provide them with all their favorite foods, alcohol, and entertain them all weekend. What am I to do? I have some thoughts on this, but I'd love to hear from you, Danielle. Um, my thoughts on that <laughs> um, <laughs> are um, off, offer it up. <laughs> um, I, I know it's difficult. I think each one of us has been in a situation like that, whether it's friends who impose um, or family who impose. And 
Uh, don't get me wrong. It can be very, very difficult. And it took me many years to relax in those moments and, um, and to give back. But I think, I think that was Mother Teresa who said, wash the dish for the next person who's going to use it. And I think once I just offered it up and gave it to God and viewed myself as a servant out of his love for other people because he mm. loves all of us. And that's how I can get through those types of <laughs> situations. <laughs> I think there's such a beauty to that, that it is that there's a spiritual component of generosity, even when other people might be infringing. I also think there are some simple things like in awkward contexts like that, like maybe you can't afford to host people to that extent. Maybe that is too much work on your workload, given your state in life. And it sounds like, Cindy, you've been an awesome hostess to your in-laws and you put so much pressure on yourself to give everything to them that you have provided everything. And so they're just used to it. And so maybe you've enabled the situation a little bit, too, because it's one thing to have surprise visitors. But I think it's another thing if like the expectation is always there for the same thing. Um, so ask them to bring something from time to time or maybe... You go to the grocery store with them if you have to and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about making for dinner. Or could you bring, could you go and pick this up? Like keeping it really simple also, like you don't have to make their favorite things. Maybe you do one thing. Maybe that's a choice beverage that you know you, that you really love, but then you keep, keep with what your plans were otherwise. Like I think sometimes there's a little bit of enabling in situations like that where we're putting too much pressure on ourselves and then we think the expectation is there from someone else or maybe it actually is, but we've just continued to enable that expectation as well. Right. I agree. I think too, if, if it's your in-laws, um, I think maybe have your husband, if possible, take some initiative and say, what would you like for dinner? And like, if my husband's friends come over, he will do more of the initiative, like, oh, what would you like? And then I will help make it for them. But it's not so much of an expectation, if that makes sense. Yes. Yep. I hear you. Okay, more questions coming. That's Danielle Heckenkamp here on Trending. Dan asked, I'm going to be staying with family for about a week next month. How can I be sure to be a good house guest? I have a problem with self-absorption, to be completely honest. It's from growing up as a latchkey kid, I presume. Anyway, I need your suggestions and insights and opinions if you can share on how to be a good house guest. This is a great question. I think that you say that you're self-absorbed, but I don't think you're that self-absorbed if you're actually thinking about this ahead of time. Just my take on it. But go ahead, Danielle. Right. Yeah, no, that is that's a great question. Um, I think the best way is to always be aware of what your host and hostess are doing so if they're not always but if they're making dinner always just offer to help um always offer to clear off the table and help do the dishes anything like that or even and if they have children maybe preoccupy them for a moment or two anything like that and then to also engage and ask questions to make them feel Oh, I'm I'm not just a host or hostess. I'm here to have to to have a wonderful time with you, to be social with you. So I think just to be aware of your surroundings. We have a couple of friends that often will come over and spend the whole weekend at our house, a couple nights, and we love having them over. And as we've done this more often, it's so sweet. The wife will come over and she will literally like make a pot roast. 
and bring it with her to our house. She'll bring a carton of eggs, like all these things. And again, she's going above and beyond. She does not have to bring that to my house. I don't expect it. But she has, in some respects, treated me when she's come to my home. And I ended up commenting on it one of the last times she was here. And I said, I feel like I didn't have to do anything this weekend because you were already doing it. And I really really appreciate just how generous you were to me and coming to my own home. And I was like, I don't expect you to do this, but I'm very grateful that you have. And she shared with me that growing up, her mom always taught her, Danielle, to be a light guest, that when she went somewhere, like, make it easy on people. And so one of the ways she has taken to doing that is helping to bring some food ahead of time. And like you said, distracting kids maybe while you're trying to do something like take a shower or clean up the dishes or even have a conversation that you're making yourself a light guest, that you bring leaven to the home rather than a burden. Right, exactly. Okay, more questions here. Beth asked, oh, this is a great one. This is interesting. I'm going to actually tell a story first. So I grew up in the mountains in Southern California, and we had a lot of family who would love to come and visit us, stay for the weekend. It was wonderful, and people always were entertained by the fact that we had a two-story home, and it was in the mountains. And so when they'd come over, I remember as a kid, it was just normal to me. They'd always want a tour of the house. They'd want to see the whole house, and not even if it was a new home. And it's funny because now as an adult having my own space, I'm always a little afraid that people are going to want a tour of my home as if I need to be prepared for it. (laughs) Uh, But this brings me to the question from Beth. She said, we first moved into our home and people always wanted a tour when they came over. She said they were excited for us and they wanted to share the milestone and they wanted to share it as well. But she said five years in, she said, I'm a thousand percent over cleaning every inch of the house every time people come over and ask for a tour. And so her question is, how do I politely refuse making it awkward when people ask for a tour of the house? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, we were in a similar situation, especially because the the third floor of our house is a playroom and my husband has made it a beautiful playroom. Um, so people want to see that, which means you have to go on the second floor where all the bedrooms are. And I will either close all the bedroom doors because I, first of all, I was brought up that you, you should not ever want to go into someone else's bedroom or Mm. have guests look into your bedroom. It was just, it was something more private for my family. Mm. And so I either shut all those doors and take them up or usually our playroom has, I have five boys. It's a mess. And so I will just say, I don't think you want to go up there right now. A tornado hit the Legos, something like that. And usually adults will understand, okay, this is not, (laughs) this is not good timing. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's clear. And you can even, again, that's blunt. I I was just thinking, what would I do? I would just say, I'd love to show it to another time. My house is too messy. And some people, there will be that person who still pushes. Oh, that's okay. I don't care. I say, no, actually, it would make me feel better if you didn't see my mess. (laughs) Like, even just, I didn't make my bed today. Like, don't be afraid to just be honest. Don't You don't have to pretend like your house is perfectly clean upstairs. Right. You're listening to Trending with Tim Marie here on Relevant Radio. It's been Danielle Heckenkamp here on Trending. Danielle, it's been a joy to have you on talking about all things hospitality, opening people into our homes, building that community that is so necessary. And that's done by 
opening our hearts and homes, even being inconvenienced by other people. If you'd like to follow Danielle, you can find her at homegrown.living on Instagram where we've tagged her. And also she's a great freelance writer. We'll post a link to some of her articles as well. Danielle, thanks for being with me today on Trending. Coming up, I'll share with you the testimony of pussy, former Pussycat Doll singer Kaya Jones. You may remember the band. It was a big hit when I was in high school. She shared at the West Coast Walk for Life this past weekend about having regret experiencing three abortions. She aborted three of her children. Uh, She'll share her testimony. I'll be back in just a moment. So stay with me. talking about what you're thinking about you're listening to trending with timory on relevant radio and the relevant radio app welcome back to trending i listened to the testimony of i was shocked i didn't know she was going to be speaking there at the west coast walk for life in san francisco this past weekend marking the anniversary of roe versus wade over 51 years later the former singer from the pussycat dolls kaya jones shared her testimony that she regrets every single day three children she does not have that she's the parent of a three dead children because she had three abortions. Her story is a look into the entertainment industry and Hollywood, but it's really a look at the end of the day into the standard that is set for women in appearances, in motherhood, in performance, in terms of how you perform. And for her, literally as a performer, performer, but not just as a performer as she is, as a musician and a dancer, but also as it comes to performing at work, performing in the family, like the pressure of how we do at the end of the day, complete all of the tasks that we have. So I want to share some of her testimony. She had three abortions. And if you're just joining me, I truly do hope that if you have experienced an abortion, that you'll listen to the testimony of Kaya Jones, and you will know the love and mercy that's available to you if you've had an abortion. There's no sin that is unforgivable by God. And if there is pain in your heart and your body from having lost a child via abortion, even though it was your choice, or maybe it wasn't, maybe you experienced a forced abortion, there is hope and healing. And I want to throw this resource out there, hopeafterabortion.com. That's hopeafterabortion.com as a means of healing after having experienced an abortion. So listen up to this. This is Kaya Jones. She's one of the former Pussycat Doll singers. She started her career at the age of 13, and she was one of the youngest and most lucrative soloist artists. So listen to this. If you want to have a baby and you want to be a recording artist and successful, they encourage that you abort. I started my career at 13 years old. I signed very young to a recording contract and was told 
that I needed to look the part, be the part, and ultimately was to sell sex, be visually stimulating to men, be visually encouraging to young girls, that this is what you should be, and this is what beauty is. Nothing could have been further from the truth. At 16, I had my first abortion. I didn't tell my parents, and it wasn't something that I needed their consent. Sounds very much like the world that we are living in today. You don't need consent to kill a child. It harmed me, and I felt as though someone took something that had always belonged in my body. I remember waking up and feeling like someone took my rib or my kidney, and it was never going to come back. Indeed, it wasn't. I don't know the death date of my first child, and I will never know the birth date. And there's no grave that I can go to to mourn the death. That's pussy, former Pussycat doll singer Kaya Jones sharing her testimony of having lost three children via her choice of abortion. Her first abortion, she had at 16 years old, the second at 19. And the first abortion she shared, as you heard, she had that without her parents' knowledge or consent. And this is the norm across this nation when it comes to abortion. There are some exceptions, but the norm is is that a woman at the end of the day, if she wants an abortion, even if she is a minor, pretty much has access unhindered to kill her baby and for her parents to have no idea of the deepest physical, emotional, and psychological wound she will ever experience that she will carry for the rest of her life. And clearly, Kaya Jones in her testimony, we'll post a link to her full testimony, has suffered the pain of that all these years. Uh, There's much to her story I want to touch on. One of the pieces is where she made the comment. She said, after that abortion, I felt as though something, that something was taken from me that always belonged in my body. This is a significant statement because we treat through medicine today, so-called medicine, pregnancy as if it's a disease not just worth fixing, but eradicating like a, like a cancer that needs to be removed and extracted from a body, except for that is a human being. And not only is that a human being, but that is the child of the woman who is carrying that baby. Intuitively, as difficult as pregnancies can be, as hard as it can be to carry that child, experience illness, that child is right where he or she belongs. And even if we have a hard time acknowledging that, even if we aren't consenting to pregnancy, even though you know, when you engage in the act that leads to having children, that was when you consented because there's always a potential for new human life. But at the end of the day, women know intuitively something that always belonged there has been taken from me. And now she mourns the loss of three children. In part of her testimony, she shares about when she had her second abortion at 19, how she had an abortion early one morning before rehearsals because she was a singer with the Pussycat Dolls for years. And Kaya Jones had the abortion early in the morning, went in for the surgical procedure, (coughs) and then she went immediately to rehearsal, to eight hours worth of rehearsal where she was hemorrhaging throughout the day. And then she went and performed the next day. And then she went back to the to the place where she had the abortion and she says, something's not wrong. I'm not okay." And in her testimony, she says, of course, I wasn't okay. I had just killed my baby. Not to mention that she went through a, 
a medical procedure that isn't a medical procedure, but that literally damages your body, scrapes and draws a child out of your body, out of the natural process that your body's going through, and her body wasn't reacting well. And this is what abortion is. And she's sharing the truth of what she experienced. So if you've been through an abortion, I hope that you will seek healing, whether it was 50 years ago or whether it was two months ago. Hopeafterabortion.com is a website where you can find hope, healing, resources, retreats, and information to be able to move on after the pain of that abortion, to forgive yourself, to forgive those involved, and to know that you are forgiven by God if you will just seek his mercy, even in the face of the unthinkable act of abortion. In her testimony, she shared that if you work in the entertainment industry, you are expected to have an abortion. You are expected not to be a mom. Why? Because she told us that her job was to sell sex, to be visually appealing, to be sexually encouraging to men, and to be to show girls that that's what beauty is. Well, what did she show girls what beauty is? To kill your own babies, to expose your body, to sing about things. I mean, I just, I remember growing up, I grew up dancing. I remember dancing to one of the most popular songs from the Pussycat Dolls, which is Loosen Up My Buttons, which is a risky song I wouldn't wouldn't encourage, but it's a tune that gets stuck in your head if you've ever listened to it more than once. And this song is, this, this whole culture that she lived in, what she was a symbol of was the antithesis of who a woman is. It reduced her to a piece of meat to be ogled at by men, to be set as a model for young women. And yet it's so unrealistic. Whether we talk about the reality of aging, the reality of different body types, the reality of the fact that we are created in God's image and likeness. And I know that can sound like fluff sometimes, especially as a female hear that but to understand god created us because he knows us he loves us he chose us and he created us with free will not so that we could do whatever we want and be these icons and influencers that are are so popular in our culture but so that we can choose him to choose to love our bodies honor our bodies give our bodies yes as a gift in the context of intimacy, in the context of having families, in the context of offering the gifts we have to offer, but that her gift, Kaya Jones, as one of the members of the Pussycat Dolls, that she was so diminished and told that all she had to give was her body, but only if she was childless and aborted her children. That's the message women hear today. Even if it's not spoken as bluntly or as eloquently as Kaya Jones shares, that's the underlying message that you're constantly meant to perform visually for others. Yet, where is that understanding of what about pleasing myself and what inherently I am created for so that then I can give myself as others, yes, as a gift, yes, to please them, but first by understanding who I am and what I'm made for. This is what we have to reclaim as a culture. And stories such as Kaya Jones are a reminder of how we not only need to pick up the broken pieces, but need to set a new standard for women, for examples, and for love. 